Welcome to another edition of Flea Market Fantasy, the world's second greatest Bronze Age era comic book podcast. Joining me as always is new Mike L. Kevin Jank. What do you mean I can't take off my sweater? I'm hot. <laughs> that's, that's you doing a, uh, a drunk Tony Stark, right? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, or Mr. Rogers, you know, one of the two. Yeah, either <laughs> but, one. Either way, it's a, it's a tribute to our, our hero tonight. Yes, today we'll be reviewing Iron Man 127 from 1979. And this is one issue before the famous Demon in a Bottle story. The official yeah. one issue story. So close. <laughs> Jake, I've never read yeah, any of these books. The, this sets the table for Demon in the Bottle, so that's it's something. Yeah, I've never read close. any of these stories. Like, it seems like you're familiar with them. Like, did you have a Demon in the Bottle trade paperback or something? I sure did. And I do. I have not sold that one yet so oh, well, that's good. <laughs> i have it right here in front of me oh look at you holding on to it so well if, if you can look <laughs> at that trade paperback right now like what issues does it contain exactly uh it's got 120 through 128 oh so we're right yeah, at the end here right near the end yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and the creators yeah. uh here are david michelini he's the writer and the artist is John Romita Jr., although he was doing, like, the uh, breakdowns, and Bob Layton was doing the embellishing and the inking. If you look at it, I think it looks more like Bob Layton for the most part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this does not strike me as, you know, heavily John Romita Jr. at all. Um, well, also, this is very early. Yeah, this is very early John Romita yeah, Jr. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I think Layton was... You know, it was like one of them uh, breakdowns, finishing deals, not so much tight yeah. pencils. Uh, so it does end up looking like Bob Layton. They did a job together, so I, I yeah. like it. Yeah. Every, you know. can see some genre media in there, you know, but it's just uh, yeah. in a while. You. All right. Well, we've talked about them, all those creators many times on the show, but we'll recap their stuff later on. Uh, first, let's uh, let's give some Iron Man backstory, although we have done an Iron Man issue before on the show. But just to refresh yeah. everybody's memory here, this is a yeah, fort- early on. Yeah, Tony Stark is uh is the fellow's you name. Don't say it. You write this down. Yeah, I'm you learning. can take notes on this. Yeah, so Tony <laughs> Stark, his first uh first appearance of Iron Man, Jack. Would you happen to know what it is off the top of your head? Ah, uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> tales of suspense or something hey, like it that. It is tales of suspense. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the issue number. Issue thirty nine from nineteen sixty three, and mm. Iron Man was co created by Stan Lee and Larry Lieber. Now oh, that's his brother. That's right, his younger brother is Larry Lieber. And uh, Stan came up with the character. He did the, uh, the newspaper, right? Uh, yeah, he did the Spider-Man, uh, I think, in the newspaper, I believe, right? I don't think that's true. He also uh, co-created Thor and Ant-Man, uh, this Larry Lieber fellow. But uh, Stanley came up with the idea of the character, and then Lieber was the one who scripted the first issue. Uh, Stan wanted to write the first issue, but he got busy and couldn't do it, so Larry took it over. So he's given, you know, he really fleshed out the character. And the character was designed by Don Heck, who did the Tony Stark aspect of it, you know, and Pepper Potts and all that stuff. But Jack Kirby did the first armor, the big bulky robot looking gray armor. Uh, that was Jack yeah. Kirby. <laughs> yeah. That's, that seems like a Jack Kirby drawing right there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, because back then the covers were done first. You know, so he uh, he did that, uh, and then Don Heck copied it then for the issue. Iron Man got his uh, sleeker red and uh, gold costume and tells the suspense issue forty eight, and that was designed yeah. by Steve Ditko. Oh, nice! Yeah. 
that's pretty good. Yeah, he did a good job. I mean, that's distinctive. Much better than the original version. But, I mean, the original version is supposed to be a prototype, essentially. It's not supposed to be what yeah. he sticks with. Can't give it, it too much shit. And I think, didn't he have, like, little red, uh, like, points on his mask, too, early on? At least on the old yeah. cartoons, I see. He had little points. Yeah, they're kind of golden. You got the golden points kind of coming up. Yeah. yeah. Lee wanted to make Tony Stark the ultimate capitalist, and he based his character on Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Hmm. Because for those who don't know, a little uh, bit less eccentric where he's not, you know, yeah, hold up, afraid of germs, because that would be a very boring adventure book. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is just early house abuse when he yeah. was the playboy, ladies' man, inventor guy. And of, of course, uh, Tony Stark is a weapons manufacturer, you know, and he, uh, which is kind of Lee said he was doing that on purpose because of the uh, times, you know, everybody was against war, and here you got a hero who's making weapons, you know, so that's yeah. Like, Stanley always thinking back then. Yeah. And his hero on the outside, you know, he's invulnerable. He's this man of iron. But inside, he's a wounded fella, you know? He's a flawed <laughs> hero. He yeah. literally has a broken heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Because he needs yep. his costume to keep him alive. Or at least the uh what what do they call the it? Yeah. Uh oh, what do they call in the movies? The uh the arc reactor. Yes. That's it. I don't. They don't call that the comic book, right? But, or I don't, no, I think. It, I think. I want to say it was more of a magnet back in the day, like keeping the. Shrapnel I think it was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there was shrapnel in his heart, and that like it was a magnet that kept it in place or something, right? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. I was never really an Iron Man guy growing up. I had a handful of issues as a kid, but uh, it was never one of my favorites or anything. Did you read a lot of Iron Man? No, not growing up, I really didn't until uh, about the time New Avengers started in, like, 2006. And then I started getting a lot more into Iron Man. And I've gone back and read some of the key stories, but I've never, you know, read a whole lot of Iron Man. I wouldn't say it's one of my specialties, but God bless him in the movies because he's the best. <laughs> so, it is pretty crazy that uh, Iron Man is really one of the most important characters in Marvel history just because he sparked all those movies, you know? Yeah. If if that movie was a flop, none of that what follows has happened. <laughs> nope. And they owe that really yeah. all to uh, Robert Downey Jr., right? I mean, he... Yeah. Oh, I mean, and he Gary Shandling. And Gary every time he got, Yeah. Well, he didn't even show up until the second one, I don't think so. Oh, really? I thought he was... No, wasn't think, he yeah. at the end of the, the first one? First one? I think he was. Uh, he might have been. Yeah, I'm since pretty I sure he was. Because, I mean, I barely watched the second one, so I may not have even known him. <laughs> But when I think Iron Man, I think Gary Shanley. So um, anyway, who knows? Well, that's something we'll uh, I'm sure our, our listeners will let us know. Yep. You know, if we got it wrong. We're going to hear about it. <laughs> so uh, after issue 99 of Tales from Suspense, Tales of Suspense, that was in March 1968. It was renamed Captain America. So there you go. That's that became Captain America because uh, Tales of Suspense. It obviously started out with suspense stories. But then when the yeah. superheroes became a thing, the, the back of the books would always be like Iron Man, Captain America, uh, I think Ant-Man, whatever, were in there. So uh, that just became Captain America, and that was in March of 68. So then Iron Man appeared in a one-off with Submariner in April, and then in May he got his own series. So May 1968, Iron Man started, and the volume one lasted 332 issues, and it ended in yeah. 1996. Yep, that's when Heroes Were Born that we talked about last oh, week started up. That's right. Yep. So I was wondering, why in 96 did it end? Yep. 
that explains it. They all ended there and then had to get restarted in Heroes Reborn. And then basically once that ended 12 issues later, rebooted yet again in the regular universe again. So uh, Jim Lee was doing Iron Man. (laughs) Uh, I think Will's Portacio. Oh, I think that is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did see that. So, yeah, there have been multiple volumes of Iron Man over the years, you know, just the way it goes now. But, uh, yeah, they constantly reboot it. There's been various titles. I think there was one called International Iron Man before where he tried <laughs> to find his real mom and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they've done a lot of weird shit. Uh, <laughs> there was a time recently where I was like the infamous – Iron Man, I think, where it was basically Doctor Doom decided to become Iron Man, oh. but Iron Man was gone. That was interesting. Weird, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Doom's right there. You know, he just has to add some repulsor rays, and he's Iron Man. Yeah, they're very similar. <laughs> he's right there. There's been some good uh, Iron Man, Doctor Doom stories over the years, like that one where they went back in time to, like, King Arthur times. Together. Yeah. I have that issue. Nice. And I can't remember. At least I had it at one point. I probably sold it. Um, but I remember having it when I was a kid. That was either 150 or 200 or 250. One of those. Yeah, 250 <laughs> maybe, I want to say. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, it was one of those anniversary type numbers, I remember. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Uh, a couple other characters in this book. Well, there's a lot of villains in this book. Boy, are there. Yeah. Well, we're not going to go background on everyone, but the main villain is a fellow named Justin Hammer. Mm-hmm. And, Everyone will remember from the second movie. Yeah, he he was played by... Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, but in the comic books, he's a much older fellow. Yeah. <laughs> he's like an old man. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's an old man with like a, what's that, an ascot? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Charles Nelson <laughs> Riley. Yes. <laughs> But uh, Justin Hammer is an unscrupulous British industrialist and head of various international design and manufacturing firms. He makes weapons uh, by Hammer Industries. So he's basically the rival of Stark. What What is yeah. Stark's company? Stark Technology? Or? Stark Industries. Oh. At this time, I believe. So they're both yeah, industries. changed a bunch over the years, but Yeah. <laughs> So this Justin Hammer fella, he was uh, his first appearance was Iron Man 120. So, oh wow, yeah, I would have thought he was way earlier than that. Oh. And that's 1978, uh, just seven issues before this. And he was created by David Michelini and Bob Layton. Uh, there's another character that's in this book. Uh, paperback I got right here. Yeah, there you go. First appearance <laughs> of Justin Hammer. And there's another yeah. character in this book we should probably mention. Her name is Bethany Cabe. Are you familiar yeah. with her at all? Sure, yeah. She's come back many times throughout the years. Uh, they seem to keep bringing her back every couple of years. Yeah, I had no knowledge of who this woman was, but uh, her first appearance was in Iron Man 117, 1978, created by Michelini Leighton, John Romita Jr. But basically, she was married to a fella, and he was a boozer, and she thought he died in a car wreck. And she always had a lot of guilt that she didn't do more to try and get him off the booze and the drugs and whatnot. So mm-hmm. she was living with that guilt. And then it turns out, though, Jack, that her husband was not dead. Oh, snap. Yeah, so he was actually kidnapped. <laughs> I don't know who he was. He was some, like, ambassador or something. I don't know. But he got, like, uh, he was being held prisoner. And they were, like, uh, interrogating, trying to get secret information out of him or something. 
And then uh, Bethany and she's off uh, noodling with Tony Stark while he's just being kidnapped. Yeah, and then That's she finds out that her husband's still alive. She's like, oh, no, we got to go save my husband. So they go and save her husband. And then uh, things go on. I don't know. Her husband. It's a very long, convoluted story. <laughs> but uh, basically, she ends You're up leaving her husband because he's, it turns out he's just a jerk. You know? Oh, yeah. So, just a garden variety jerk. Yeah. And then her and Tony get there on and off a few times. And, but he keeps hiring her. She like, she was a private eye at some point. I don't know. Like, or some sort of security person. So she becomes like the head of Stark security. In the universe. <laughs> yeah. But she's like the head of security for many different Stark companies or something over the years. So she's pretty regular character, uh, the whole time with Iron Man. But yeah, I never heard of her. Yeah, she's pretty popular. Um, she's definitely showing up a bunch. Like, honestly, I would say she's more of a recurring love interest than Pepper Potts is in the comics. Really? Like, yeah, because Pepper Potts, I believe, was married to Happy Hogan for a good what? while. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this on the LCS show, but currently I, I'm still watching those Marvel superheroes cartoons from 1968, and uh, they're pretty great. You can find them on YouTube. But basically they just take the early issues of all these heroes and they just put them up as a cartoon. And so in these early issues of Iron Man, Happy Hogan is like uh, into Pepper Potts, but she is just smitten with Tony Stark. She wants nothing to do with Happy oh. Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Persistence pays off, I guess. Foggy and Karen uh, Page situation going on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think those are all the main people we need to talk about in this book. But uh, let's look at the cover, Jank. Why don't you describe it? All right. Well, we got the uh, we got the corner box there, a little green box with Iron Man kind of running, as he you know often does when he has jet boots that he can fly around. He <laughs> does a lot of running. Um, uh, it says Marvel Comics Group. We got the black banner across the top, and it says the Invincible Iron Man. Uh, the the, the logo is very cool. It's like riveted and looks like iron. So that's cool. It looks like iron beams. Uh, it's got like a yellow, very kind of pale yellow background with the action lines shooting all over the place. Uh, and it says all alone against the super army. And we just get Iron Man just in the middle of a fracas, just standing right in the middle, punching Blizzard in the face while a bunch of other villains are all piling all around him. We got the constrictor there, man killer, looks like whiplash, the melter, porcupine in the back there, leapfrog, whole bunch of people. Who I'm sure we'll talk about later in this issue. Yeah, it's pretty impressive that you can name all these heroes. These are like a uh, a buffet for Scourge. That's the yes. level of villains <laughs> these guys are. <laughs> I would not be surprised if many of these run his hit list. Yeah, Scourge would eat well at this gathering of villains. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's drawn by Bob Layton. Yeah, it's a heck of a cover. It's uh, like if I was a kid and I saw this, I'd be buying the hell out of this book. Yeah, that many villains, like for this amount of money, yeah. 40 cents. <laughs> what a deal. Give it to me. What a deal. <laughs> so, all right, we open it up, and uh, the Invincible Iron Man. When millionaire industrialist Tony Stark, inventor extraordinaire, garbs himself in solar-charged steel mesh armor, he becomes the world's greatest human fighting machine, the Invincible Iron Man. How about that? It's a great splash page of uh, Iron Man. Like, I guess he's using his repulsor rays, or he's just throwing people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't tell exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like repulsor rays to me. They're shooting out of his hand, all bright and yellow. Yeah, he's launching all the villains off him, and uh, the name of the book is A Man's Home is His Battlefield, because they're fighting at Justin Hammer's uh, estate. 
which has a trick to it. We'll learn later. Yeah. This, uh, this narration boxes on this first page kind of was weird to me. They're just explaining the whole a man's home is his castle phrase and stuff like that. Like, it was a little overdone. But after that, I thought the writing got a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, this is a great shot on page two of Iron Man. Uh, you can tell that's Romita. That looks uh Yeah. And then just the hammer, I can, you can tell that's for me too, I think. But um, yeah, Iron Man's like, I don't get a hammer. What's a businessman like you doing with a goon squad like this? Hammer, really, Iron Man? Yes. I would have thought the ex- Oh, yeah, you do just the hammer. You're good with the voices. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought the explanation quite obvious. Haven't you ever wondered where some of the, your foes get the money to develop weapons, pay their bail, replace broken equipment? It is my pleasure to offer sanctuary and financial aid to those particular gentlemen and ladies for a mere 50% of their profits. Oh, is that all? Just 50% of the profits? <laughs> yeah. I think that's what the tinkerer does, so I guess he's in competition. You know, whoever wants, you know, certain villains, they got to outbid each other. Uh, like the Uber and Lyft of supervillains. Yes. head-to-head. Exactly. Then we see this guy, Stiletto. Yeah. yeah. He just throws knives. Throws <laughs> He's like a bad choice against Iron Man. <laughs> it's like, what's he going to do exactly? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess his plan I feel was like this he says a very limited window. But yeah, he he thinks he can throw his uh, stilettos into like the little slits that Tony Stark has for his eyes. You know, like he's bullseye <laughs> or something. And yeah. uh, and Iron Man just shuts down. He goes, "I got some plexiglass over those eyes. <laughs> Your little knives <laughs> aren't going to hurt me, buddy." <laughs> so. <laughs> He's like, damn it, I'll just go fight Magneto. Oh, this is also a bad idea. So then we get a guy, uh, Discus. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it knives don't work, you know what it will? Plates. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, like Captain America's shield, but tiny. <laughs> what, what did he think was going to happen when he's throwing those at Iron Man? I don't know. It seemed like a really bad idea all along. And then we find out Iron Man is, you know, covered with magnets, obviously. He's got reverse magnetic fields that he can just activate, and they just fling the discuses right back at discus and hit him in the face. And stiletto, too. He takes out stiletto. Yeah. Justin Hammer, man. What were you doing? You're just wasting your money on these clowns, you know? (laughs) I mean, I guess against somebody else, they might have had a chance, but not against (laughs) Iron Man. Yeah, maybe. all a bad idea. Like 3D, man. They could take him. Oh, I don't know. That's a... (laughs) shot at 3D, man. I don't appreciate that one bit. But, uh, yeah, Justin Hammer, he's like, hey, you can't take them on one at a time. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is you again. I took took your part. Fools. No one of you is a match for Iron Man alone. Your only chance is to attack en masse. Yeah, so that's what they do. We don't even know what that means, but they're all (laughs) into it. Yeah, there's the Beetle, Spider-Man villain, the Beetle. I remember that. He's in there. Oh, and there's that, uh, who's that water guy? Uh, we encountered him uh, recently. Wizard, I think. Yeah, he was in that Scourge issue, right? Because he almost got whacked by Scourge, but he was late to the meeting, remember? He was the one who discovered oh, all the dead yeah. bodies. And he met with Captain America on the on the pier there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, all right. It's all coming together now. Kmart version of Hydro, man, essentially. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so the big fight goes on. Uh, Beetle grabs Iron Man, you know, and Iron Man says, hey, let's take this yep. fight outside so there's more room. So he goes flying through the roof of uh, Hammer's house, and then he just reaches behind him, grabs the Beetle's wings, and rips them off. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, we're going to do an uh, entomology experiment. We'll see if a beetle can fly without wings. Yeah, and then here comes Leapfrog, because he, he's always <laughs> dangerous. Again, <laughs> he can't even take on anybody. I think Speedball beat him in that, uh, that annual. <laughs> so Iron Man uh, grabs up the beetles like uh, little sticky fingers that he's got, and he swings them around and throws them into Leapfrog. So that's two yeah. more doofuses taken out. And then, uh, oh, Justin Hammer, though, he calls to our buddy Water Wizard. Water Wizard, quickly, use your abilities to form a battering ram from the surrounding waters and... <laughs> Are you crazy? I almost got scragged in Nam, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> And then I only had an army kind of to fight. Talk you learn <laughs> the only thing my water-forming powers are going to make is a surf scooter to get me the blazes out of here. So, so long, Hammer. I'll send you a check for the bill you paid. Oh, that's nice. He's reimbursing him. Yeah. He knows where his bread is buttered. He's going to keep... He's not going to fight for Hammer, but he'll make sure he's paid up. Yeah, he... How does this work exactly, Jack? He makes water... Into a water scooter <laughs> that he stands on, and I was like, <laughs> "I mean, I guess it, it works." Green Lantern could do it all the time with his weird constructs, so why not? It, that's a cosmic power ring. This is still just water. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if you can control the density of the water, you can make it kind of solid enough to sit on. So, all right, so they got to keep fighting, and uh, more uh, bums trying to take down Iron Man, and he's just ripping through all of them. At one point, the cons- I mean, if this drunken Iron Man, like, he's doing an amazing <laughs> job. He's a so, functional alcoholic. Maybe he's a stand yeah. yeah, he's taking these guys out super easy. So, Constrictor wraps him up in his uh, coils there, and here comes Man Killer. She's a foxy lady. Yeah. Man Killer. Are you familiar with her work? I've never encountered her, I don't think. Uh, Well, I've read this story before, so yes, but I can't remember if I've ever seen her in anything else. Yeah, she looks tough. She's a redhead, and uh, <laughs> but I don't know. She's just coming right at him. But Iron Man, now, now this confused me because Iron Man Virgin is right Brown, there. Which is a weird color. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Iron Man is tied up in a uh, constrictor's coils. And Mankiller is yeah. walking right up next to him. And then Iron Man says, what, well, with my image projector, you won't know which one is me. And he makes, like, ten different Iron Men around her in a circle. Hey, Mankiller. None of which are being held by coils. Yeah. He's the one <laughs> yeah. who's right behind them, held by coils. <laughs> What's so confusing about this? But, yeah, apparently uh, in the 70s, as we learned with that Spider-Man comic, whenever there's illusions, even if they make no sense at all, you still have to try to hit them, like Spider-Man punching that wall. <laughs> yeah, so she's trying to punch all these other Iron Man, and they just keep disappearing. And uh, then he just busts out of the coils of the constrictor. Uh, how does he yeah. do it? I don't know. He does it with something. Yeah, he, uh, well, he's got adamantium coils, so he can't break them, but he, like has enough strength to kind of lift them off of him so like to make enough space for him to just kind of slip out i guess uh, i don't know and then he like throws a constrictor That's what into, he says anyway yeah man killer and now we get porcupine stomping oh. on his way over here we go describe porcupine guns. for everybody <laughs> oh my god i think uh i could best describe porcupine in the words of robert wool from the 1989 batman movie He's the king of the wicker people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that quote from, but I like when anyone mentions Arliss. 
Robert yeah. Right. Yep. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, like, Bruce Wayne had a suit of armor in his, uh, you know, room that, he, that they were looking at that looked, like, a lot like this. Um, He's kind of – man, he's almost got, like, a – like a, a weird haircut that's made of little <laughs> pieces of bamboo. Um, yeah, it's like if he had a mo haircut. And it's not like a, yes, like a frilled out mo haircut that just kind of sticks out even farther. Uh, and like a gas, a green gas mask uh, under that. And then an entire suit basically made of the same type of bamboo shoots. And there's like a shoulder area that's basically like that same haircut. Just imagine it again over his shoulders. And then another layer kind of going down each arm. There's a couple different slots where there's like little bamboo and then underneath it another layer of bamboo. And the same thing going way down. He looks morbidly obese, but that might just be this suit. Because <laughs> yeah. we do see him without it later on. Yeah, it is pretty much just the suit. So so the porcupine is like- incredible. It looks terrible to walk in or do anything in, but man, it's pretty awesome. Now, I remember I, when I was reading newer Marvel comics, wow, this is probably about seven years ago now, but I was reading some Spider-Woman, and uh, <laughs> she had a baby, you know, and one of the babysitters she had for the baby was Porcupine. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a very <laughs> good choice. <laughs> it's a little weird. But anyway, so Porcupine, he says, bah, those amateurs may have given you a little trouble, Iron Man, but now you face the Porcupine and the concussion for my mini grenades should stop even you. And he opens up. It looks like his uh, he's got little uh, nipples, and they're, but they're grenades. And a little yeah. hatch flips up. So Iron Man, Jank, he's like, oh, I can't let him shoot those grenades at me because, you know, I'm in an invulnerable suit of armor, and I'm sure they would really hurt me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump over and double uh, axe handle smash the door for the grenade shut on his belly there, and then the grenades will go off inside Porcupine's suit. And murder mm-hmm. him. Yes, no, <laughs> him completely. But it doesn't kill him. It just blows off his bamboo outfit. Left there just wearing his kind of orange long underpants. Yeah, and he's not morbidly obese. He looks kind of jacked, actually. Yeah. But my, my question is, if they won't even murder him underneath his suit, you thought they were going to hurt Iron Man? These grenades? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. What are we doing here? That's pretty, yeah. Apparently, bamboo is better armor than uh, you would you would expect. This is like the JV team going up against, uh, you know, all varsity. What are we doing? No chance. This is probably why Iron Man never t- caught on that much, because even when all agree. his villains are fighting, it's... <laughs> like, who would you think of as the greatest Iron Man villain? Like, I don't know. Mandarin. Uh, Mandarin, would that be number one? Yeah, I'd say that's got to be number one. I guess he did some stuff with uh, Crimson Dynamo and Titanium Man, and that kind of, those, those seem like natural yeah. guys to fight him, you know? Yeah, definitely makes sense. But uh, otherwise, it's not like he has his rogues gallery like Spider-Man does, or, you know. He does have his rogues gallery, but unfortunately, this is them, so. Yeah, <laughs> like top, top <laughs> notch. Yeah, Hall of Fame rogues, rogues gallery. gallery. Yeah. Because even Captain America's got like three or four really good ones and then a bunch of scrubs. But, um, yeah. Iron Man just has a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> so that is a problem. <laughs> it is a problem. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. All right, so uh, Justin Hammer's very mad. He's got his personal security team, and they all look like uh, 
I don't know, they dress like crickets? What are they? They're all in green outfits. <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite the so, luck. So then the uh, good guys show up, uh, Tuffy, Tuffy Rhodes, not our Tuffy, James Tuffy Rhodes. <laughs> Different Tuffy. Uh, he shows up in like a police helicopter and uh, kind of a coloring mishap. Iron Man, but I thought he was illegal. <laughs> Every black character had a talking jive in the 70s. Yeah. It's something that happened. <laughs> We apologize years later, but yeah. And then uh, look in the second panel there. Uh, he's got a Caucasian hand holding up the megaphone. Weird. But uh, James Tuffy Rhodes is transplant. Because I think Iron Man, uh, before this story, I think he was accused of murdering somebody, right? Yes. He actually, I mean, he did murder somebody. I think it was like some diplomat guy. Um, and he did murder him, but it was his repulsor blast kind of doing it on their own. Like he was not in charge of it. Uh, somebody was oh. remote controlling the armor. Oh, okay. There it is. Got there to see is. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I thought the explanation was he wasn't controlling the armor. So I thought that meant he wasn't in the armor, but you're telling me Stark was in the armor. Yep. But he he sure was. <laughs> he just, uh, was not the one in control. All right. Justin Hammer is going to flee because Jank, Justin Hammer's estate here. It's on the water, but it has a little trick that it can do. Yeah. Turns out it's kind of like the shield helicarrier. It can just, you know, lift itself up. It's got these little, uh, you know, hovercraft jets underneath it that can lift it and he can drive it away like a boat. And I guess he's trying to get to international waters. So then yeah. they won't have jurisdiction to arrest him. Because I was going to say, like, it's not like you're going to out <laughs> outrun Iron Man. <laughs> you're a state hovercraft. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. But he goes home and away. But Iron Man says, "Ah, we're not going to let you get to international waters." He goes flying straight up in the air, real high, and then he comes comes crashing down and just like spears it like Roman Reigns, and boom, crack a coom, and it like splits the uh the whole hovercraft estate ship in half, and yeah, everyone's sinking. But Iron Man pulls out some clown from the water, but uh, he doesn't get Justin Hammer. Like who's this nope. guy? He pulls out the guy who. uh Apparently he created the device that was controlling him. So oh, he needs this guy okay, to hear yeah. his name. So that's why he goes after this guy. But how did Justin what? Hammer escape exactly? He's an old, old man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Maybe he got Water Wizard to come back and give him a ride on his water scooter. <laughs> yeah, because they just say, oh, that Justin <laughs> Hammer escaped. How? He's stuck on that the estate ship and it just cracked in half. What's he just swimming? He's just going to swim for it? I mean, come on, you can find him. He's got to be right there. He's got to have backup plans. Come on. He's, he had a floating island. He's got to have, like, a plan C. That was plan B. Time to go on to the next one. So the the police mop-up is swift and efficient. And soon on Monaco docks, uh, so Hammer wasn't one of the POWs, huh? No blast that he got away. But the police say that over uh, that other evidence they've got should do the trick. And then we see Tony Stark in his, like, 70s outfit, you know, uh, yeah. opened-up shirt, butterfly collar. Yeah, yeah and he, he goes up to uh, Tuffy Rhodes there, and he's like, hey, it looks like Iron Man is on the way to being cleared, and I couldn't have done it without you, Rhodey. Thanks. And uh, he says, hey, Jackson, I was just doing my job, and it was a gas. <laughs> he doesn't even know his name. <laughs> Jackson is something. Jackson. That's what cool guys call everybody back in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. Hey, Jackson. Yeah, common uh, <laughs> term of respect. So then uh, the news report on Iron Not Man. Cool. Arnold Jackson. Yeah, Arnold Jackson's the man. 
So they, they clear Iron Man. He's getting interviewed <laughs> on TV on CBS. Look at that. Good on CBS is interviewing Iron Man. And oh, Man. Mayor Ed Koch of New York returns Iron Man's suit to him because they had confiscated it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we're not even going to charge you for wearing your other suit, which you shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. I'd like <laughs> to see Ed Koch become Iron Man. Just have him. Like, do you even remember Ed Koch? Do you have any knowledge no. of Ed Koch? Yeah. See, when I was a kid, Ed Koch, he was pretty famous. He was on a lot of, he's on TV all the time as the mayor of New York. So, uh, yeah, he was, nowadays, yeah, no one really cares. But uh, back then, Ed Koch was a star. So anyway, Iron Man, he he walks outside and there's a little girl there in a J.R. Jr. fan club. That's a John Romita Jr. <laughs> fan club shirt. She's a smart little girl. She, dro- she drops her little dolly there on the street. Iron Man bends down to pick it up, but she's terrified of Iron Man because she says, hey, no, mommy, don't let him yeah. get me. Go ahead. Finish it. <laughs> he he killed that nice fat man on TV. I saw him. <laughs> he killed that nice <laughs> fat take a man. shot of dead guy. <laughs> I know. Just not, he killed that nice man on TV. You don't have to call him fat. What are you doing? <laughs> Kid's a creep. Killed that nice fat, fugly guy. <laughs> so uh, the mom's like, "There, there, baby. Mommy won't let the bad man hurt you. I promise." <laughs> bad, but I don't. I mean, they prove that, uh, but it doesn't. It. I mean, <laughs> doesn't help. Doesn't help. Once yep. it's out there, you know. That's how everyone yeah. knows you as a murderer of fat men. That's who you are, Hi. Iron Man. You're a murderer of fat men. <laughs> You're not getting any more Jenny Craig endorsements, that's for sure. So now we see Tony Stark back at his office, and he's putting away the Iron Man outfit in his little briefcase, and he slams the lid shut. And he's very upset. So what do you do in all this? You know, you got to, what do you do, Jank, when uh, the world's uh, up against you? You know, everything's going uh, south. How, how do you deal I mean, with it? Me, I turned to black tar heroin, but yeah, I, I, I guess in Tony Stark's case, liquor will do. <laughs> yeah, he goes boozing it up at the, uh, the party, but he's there by himself, you know, just sitting uh, drinking alone, and he mm-hmm. uh, he's all dressed up there. He's got like a ruffled shirt and a bow tie and a black tuxedo <laughs> coat on. <laughs> he's drinking it up, and that's well, when he gets a call from Bethany Cabe, and we yeah. see her. She's in her apartment, lying on her belly, talking on the phone with uh, just in a negligee. You know, her legs up behind her, uh, like she's talking to her girlfriends at high school or something. But no, she's talking to Tony Stark, and she wants to have a, a little date there. Tony Stark get together and talk because she's worried about Tony. I think, right? Yeah, about he's going on the same path that her husband did. So yeah, exactly. She's like, I didn't do anything that time. I gotta, I better step in this time. Yeah, and he says, uh, "Sure, babe, I'd love to. Just let me grab a pen here." And scribble a reminder on one of uh, Naldo's. Oh, I guess that's napkins, okay? <laughs> napkins. <laughs> yeah. and, and she says, "Okay, Tony, are you all right? You sound I'm hunky dory, babe. Really, you want to pipe me the coordinates?" And uh, <laughs> she says, "Well, there's a new crepery over at 914 Lexington. Would one o'clock be 914 Lex? Sounds yummy. See you there." But what does he write <laughs> down, Jank? Oh, he writes four one nine Lex. Yes, four one nine. Maybe oh, he was no. writing left to right when he did that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, now we cut the next day. There, at one o'clock, we see Tony Stark at four one nine, waiting for Bethany, 
And we see Bethany at 914 Lexington waiting for Anthony Stark. <laughs> and this was pre-cell phone, you know. So you yep. were screwed if you were at the wrong place. <laughs> So I wonder what 419 Lex is, because I'm sure it's not a crepery, but I guess he didn't remember that part. <laughs> but yes. it looks like it's like an office building or something. Probably That's didn't true. Want to meet her there. She told him to meet him at a crepery. Whether or not you get the address, or you should know you're not at a crepery. If you're looking at yeah. it, yeah, he was boozed up. He has no idea. He didn't remember, clearly. He just he didn't write down crepery. He just wrote down 419, so um, mm-hmm. Lexington or whatever. But she's upset because, you know, Tony's not there, and he's mad at her for not showing up. She's like, oh, who does she think she is standing up, you know, me, Tony Stark, international Stark playboy. Billionaire play. Yeah. <laughs> so he's all mad. So now we cut to, a, what is this, Avengers Mansion, I guess, and uh, there's Jarvis doing dishes. <laughs> what a thankless job. You think it's Stark Enterprises would hook him up with a dishwasher. But no, he's got to do it by hand. Man. Yeah. For Jarvis. It's a bum, bum gig. But he hears someone coming in the mansion there. And when do you know it? It's, uh, it's, uh, Anthony Tony Stark. And he, now he's in a white tuxedo. And, uh, he's got a, uh, smoking hot little blonde there with him in this, uh, skimpy red, uh, dress and high heels. And she's like, Hey, uh, Tony, aren't you going to show me your gadgets? <laughs> you know, you're going to show me. <laughs> and he, yeah, there's any problem and he's going to show he's her around like, Avengers Mansion, all the top secret technology. And Jarvis is like, what are you doing? You can't be showing this lady <laughs> top secret stuff, you know? That's okay, old buddy. I was just showing Miss Sunrise here some of my latest gadgets. <laughs> Brilliant, even if I do say so. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I think you're cute. And uh, Jarvis is like, but sir, the equipment is classified. Mr. Gyrich found out he'd be most upset yeah who what was guy Rich's first name uh henry peter that's right because he was always guy. he was always giving the x-men the business too right wasn't he yeah monkey with yeah. that too he was like the avengers liaison to the government for a while and then yeah it was just very anti-mutant oh yeah anti-mutant piece of dirt yeah henry garage so uh yeah. then uh starks well, like he says that uh, no you can't suggest i'm tired of being pushed around you're just a butler, Jarvis, a servant, and in the future, I'll thank you to remember your place. And Jarvis gasps, like a lady from the 1800s. <laughs> he puts his yep. hand up over his mouth, and then we get a shot of Gar- Jarvis looking uh, very upset, and, uh, and and then this is just narration. Jarvis is a butler, the best, and so he doesn't react with the shock that suddenly fills his soul. With the hurt that widens his eyes, he merely answers... Yes, sir. As you wish, Look at sir. That detail on, uh, Jarvis's comb over. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite the kid. Really went at it. <laughs> uh, so uh, Tony Stark, that now he, uh, even though he speaks a little drunkenly, he, he is a, his thoughts seem pretty sh- pretty clear here. He's like, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to snap at Jarvis. But I don't know. Anyway, but then the blonde grabs him and she says, "Oh, come on, Tony, won't he?" Ain't you going to show me that special invention you want to try out? Hmm? What do you think that is for a sex toy? You know, I don't know. I think it's just dick. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, sure, Amber, whatever you say. So the next morning, uh, Tony Stark wakes up, and he, and he's got, like, uh, the lady's stole that she was wearing wrapped around his neck, and he's at his desk, and he's got the flower that was in her hair. It's now in his hair. <laughs> <And> he's like... <laughs> 
Oh, God. I'm so into Tux, so I don't yeah. know what the heck happened last night. <laughs> that was the invention. Some sort of clothes-swapping invention, and then they got him back. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, so, oh, he he has, like, a secretary of Mrs. Arbergast or something? Is that it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she buzzes yeah. And she says, hey, Mr. Jarvis wants to see you, sir. He says it's rather important. And he says, oh, okay, send him in. So, well, yeah, wait a minute. He's now at his office. So they had sex back at the Avengers Mansion, and then he goes into the uh, – yeah. Uh, yeah, that's quite the bender. I don't know how <laughs> – what the heck happened? Because he's still <laughs> – so even though he's no longer at the same location, he, he has the flower from her in his hair, and he's got the stole around him, yeah. and he shows up to work. Like <laughs> He's gone. He's still fully clothed. I don't know. <laughs> I need someone to explain these missing hours. Yeah. Seems like a lot happened. I don't know what happened, but uh, so anyway, uh, Tony Stark. Uh, why don't you say what he says, though, Jank? I <laughs> uh, says, "Okay, send him in." <laughs> Did you make it quick, Jarv? I got a headache bigger than Adrian Barbos. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it gets cut off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, Jarvis says. What I have to do won't take but a moment, sir, just long enough to tender my formal notice of resignation. And he hands him a letter there, and uh, then uh, Stark takes it. Oh, yep. too, too uh, Stark. Oh. Well, ouch, what, what do you mean? I know we had a disagreement <laughs> last night, but surely that. No, sir, one in my station expects occasional stern treatment. However, in consideration of recent trends, I thought it might be best for all concerned if I were to seek position uh, position elsewhere where I might be less of an irritant. I hope you understand, sir. And Jarvis leaves him. Yeah. So, and then Tony Stark. Now, do you yeah. know the, I love, like, the controversy with that resignation? Yes. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> yeah. But okay. uh, so Tony Stark just stares out the window, you know, and we get some narration. He understands that for the past few weeks he has been blaming his mounting problems on an inanimate suit of red and gold armor. On a micro-circuited scapegoat, for it wasn't Iron Man who had yelled at Jarvis, who had been behind any of it. Tony Stark shudders slightly, understanding at last that the root cause behind the tangled, strangling web that his life has become was and is himself. And then he says quietly, God help me. And the the image. Yeah, describe the image, Jank, for the people. Uh, he's kind of looking out the window, pressing his hand against the, the glass of like a sliding glass window. Um, he's got like a framed picture of Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. In his office there, which is nice. Um, and then we're kind of seeing this all through the, the glass of a bottle of whiskey that's sitting right there on the table. Uh, it's completely empty now. And we're just kind of seeing his reflection through that. It's pretty great. Yeah. You're seeing him through the bottle of whiskey. So he's mm-hmm. in the bottle basically. Yeah. This drunkard. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about oh, that next issue, Demon in a Bottle. That's yeah. big one. He's All right, so let's talk about the uh, resignation letter because in the digital copies we're reading, it's all like kind of blocked out. Like you can't make out the letters. Yeah, it's it's blurry. Oh, they yeah, it, it resembles words, but you couldn't actually read anything. So why don't you tell the kids what went on with this resignation letter? <laughs> so I guess in the original printing of this. Um, they didn't mean to actually put any real, you know, words here. Like David McLean, he hadn't come up with anything to put in there. So 
uh, it was just kind of up to the editorial office to do something. And they decided to use um, somebody who had recently quit Marvel's resignation letter and <laughs> just kind of copied that and put it in there. Do you know who it actually was? No, but I, I think Michelani did intend to have something there. Because uh, if you go to issue 130 in the letters column, they open up the letters column by Michelani explaining, mm-hmm. uh, like apologizing for what happened. And I think they got switched up. Like he supposed, whether he was leaving up to the editors or what, but it was supposed to be a resignation letter from Jarvis, obviously. And I, maybe the, 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 whoever did it, cause the way they would do it, what, what do they call it? Uh, some sort of sure. uh, te- technique where they put it in like a stencil thing or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But well, anyway, no, no. yeah. this trade paperback, it, it talks a little bit. It's got some correspondence with David Michelinie from February of 2005. Oh, okay. After our conversation about uncovering the original text for Jarvis's resignation, I got to thinking and my memory finally kicked in. I realized that it wouldn't really matter if I did have a copy of that script because the text for Jarvis's resignation never actually existed. Here's the story. Huh. When I wrote the plot, I simply called for Jarvis to hand Tony Stark his resignation. I didn't specify what that document said. When John Romita Jr. drew the panel in question, he had the resignation facing the reader, prominently showing a blank sheet of paper. Someone at Marvel called and asked if I wanted to write something for them to set in print or if I preferred that it we, they just Greek it in, that is, put in something illegible that just looked like print. I opted for the latter since what was on the paper wasn't really important. What mattered was what was in the character said. Xeroxes of the lettered and inked pages that I received to proofread, long since discarded, had an unreadable paste-up on the previously blank page. Needless to say, when I got my first printed copy of the comic, I was completely surprised to find an actual letter in Jarvis's hand. When I called my editor about it, I was told that someone, they never told me who, had substituted an actual letter of resignation from someone who had recently quit Marvel with certain words changed to make it look like it was part of the Iron Man universe. I could never find out whether this was intended as a joke, a last-minute touch of realism, or someone taking a cheap shot at then-editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Oh, <laughs> but no. That's basically why I asked <laughs> if I could write an explanatory notice in the letter column. <laughs> well, if we know anything about Jim Shooter and his relations with people in the Marvel, I'm going to guess someone was taking a shot at Jim Shooter. Yeah, that's very possible. Uh, <laughs> yes, they could just slip that one in. Jim Shooter. Yeah, because like the uh, the explanation in 130, it makes it sound like they had a resignation letter that they wanted in there, and then they got accidentally misplaced and or re- replaced with this one by accident. But it oh. seems like this was kind of actually intentional to a degree. Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody <laughs> trying to take shots. Uh, <laughs> so also, the, there's also a little note here uh, that uh, the letter is signed Jarvis, and then his last name is illegible, like it's just scribbled. But I guess later on it was revealed that Jarvis is actually his last name. And his first name oh, is yeah. Edwin. Edwin. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. That's a little screwy too. So basically, this whole resignation letter was a big mess up. Well, he's like he's like me. I just go by Jank. He just goes by Jarvis. <laughs> you go by Kev. Everything Jarvis. So you can... <laughs> yeah, that's right. So there you go. So, yeah, thanks for the extra uh, info there on the resignation letter. And uh, would yeah. you recommend people pick up the old uh, Demon in a Bottle trade paperback? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good one. I think it's fairly cheap too. It's pretty thin for being a good you know nine issues there. Uh, it's only twenty four ninety nine. Oh, only <laughs> only twenty four. <laughs> what a deal! Uh, so, 
There it is. All right. So the creators, we've we've talked about these people many times on this show. And uh, just to remind everybody, though, David Michelinie, he had two runs on Iron Man. The first yeah. one was uh, uninterrupted from issue 116 to 157. And that was from 78 to 82. And then he came back with issue 215 and he ran to 250. So, yeah, I think that uh, 250, I think, was that Iron Man, Doctor Doom, King Arthur story. Yeah, I think that was the that last one. All right. And then he also wrote annuals 9 and 10, but that was from 87 to 89. So look at that. That's about 70 issues total of Iron Man. I mean, he's one of, if not the definitive Iron Man writer, I would say. Like, yeah. Just to mind more so than him. Uh, I guess Larry Lieber. <laughs> like, how many did Larry Lieber do in yeah. the early days? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, he wrote like the two big definitive stories, a Demon in a Bottle, and then that second run was Armor Wars, right? Armor Wars, yep. I've never read yeah, that either. Um, I actually haven't either. I've seen videos on it, but I've not read it. Oh, all right. Yeah, sadly, uh, I guess we could do it on the show because that would have been what eighty-seven or yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, I think it runs through multiple issues, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We could definitely take a look at one of them. All right, John Romita Jr. At, yeah, Iron Man is when he first got started to get popular as an artist because he was just doing minor things, and this was like his first big run, I guess. And he did 27 issues between 1978 and 82. And then he, he also had a second run on Iron Man, uh, 10 issues yeah. from 90 to uh, 91. So, but wait, wait, John Romita did the uh, King Arthur thing, though. I'm almost positive. So if he wasn't there well, for 250. He could have done, like, fill-in or something. He could have just come back for one issue, not really a run. But that that issue would have been in between 87 and 89, and he wasn't back until 90. So... Maybe it was issue 150. Uh, oh, we'll, we'll, maybe. We'll Google it up. But, um, yes. and then the final creator on this is uh, Bob Layton. He did 36 issues between 76 and 81, and then another 30 issues between 87 and 90. So uh, two runs on Iron Man seems to be uh, the magic formula for these fellows. Yeah, everyone wanted to come back for a second piece. I guess it is uh, 149 to 150, it looks like. Ah, see, there you go. I knew it was like a 50 issue, but I couldn't remember what it was. Yep. Yeah, so 150. (laughs) That would make more sense because that would have been like around 82, and that's when I was a kid. So, yeah, I would have had it when I was a little – because I wasn't buying Iron Man in 87 or 88. So, uh, anyway – when I think Iron Man artist, Bob Layton comes to mind right away for me. Um, like, I don't think I, John Romita is Iron Man necessarily. I think Daredevil, X-Men. Yeah. Spider-Man for me, I think, is my my number one. Yeah, and then Daredevil close behind. But Bob Layton um, and Iron Man are pretty synonymous in my mind. Also, um, Michelinie, he wrote uh, Spider-Man too, right? Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, he did. Yeah. So I was buying it at the time. He was writing it. The Todd McFarlane era, yeah, yeah. So what would you think of the writing here by Michelinie? <laughs> well, like I said, I, I wasn't a big fan of that first page, but really after that it got a lot better to me. I loved the, the fight where Iron Man was taking on all these villains and just kind of whooping them like chumps real quick. <laughs> uh, I thought it was fun. He was kind of just cracking wise, and that was it was a good battle. Um, and then it took a turn there in the second half and got more serious, and, and I liked it. I found it all very believable. Um, the whole, you know, him and Bethany came kind of missing their connection and him just getting it wrong and kind of them both getting mad at each other because they didn't show up. I thought that was good. I thought that was 
a believable problem that they could have. And it's just one more nail in his coffin, you know, as far as uh, going downhill with the whole drinking problem. So, yeah, I yeah. thought it was great. I thought the uh, the little girl, you know, being scared of him was a good <laughs> touch, too. <laughs> but he murdered that fat man. Uh, I liked uh, him uh, getting mad at George. I liked him showing up drunk at the mansion there and, uh, you know, going to show his gadgets to that lady. And <laughs> we were still confused about what happened with that lady, but other <laughs> yeah, than that. Thought, yeah, there were some uh, <laughs> some slight missteps, like the continuity, the, the man-killer fight aspect of the constrictor was weird, and uh, how he ends up at his office the next morning with the flower in the stall. Anyway, it's a good story. Mm-hmm. That's rock solid, uh, and we get to see a lot, you know, internally going on with Tony Stark. Hey, his life's falling apart, and... There he is. I mean, Although, it hey. good make him, you know, to do this whole arc of him becoming a complete alcoholic. Like, it makes sense for a rich guy who's basically yeah. got everything that he's just, you know, kind of bored with everything. So he's turned into the booze and doing a little too hard. It's happened many times. And it made Tony Stark, who's this kind of untouchable, like, you know, billionaire playboy guy, kind of more human and made him more relatable. Yeah, it's a, it's a good job there. And uh, the mm. art here is also very solid. Again, it looks more like Leighton than Ramita, but you can see Ramita peeking through there occasionally. And, uh, yeah, it's just not nothing too amazing or anything, but it's uh, solid. Good, good stuff. I've got no complaints. And like you mentioned, that, that last panel where they're kind of showing Tony through the bottle, like that's all good, really good stuff. Yeah, it's real good. So mm. uh, I don't know, not much to complain about with this issue. What do you think, Jank? One out of ten. Um, I'm going to go probably an eight, um, all around. I really enjoyed it. Plus we got some porcupine in it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what tops that? <laughs> also had a nice cover for villain of the year, I think. Also had a nice cover as well. So yeah, I think eight, eight sounds right to me. So, uh, yeah, eight out of 10 for Iron Man on 27. All right. So, uh, what do you have next week, Jack? All right. So next week I'm going to go back. We're going to stick with Marvel. Uh, so we're going to, last week, I think it was after the show, actually, you had mentioned, uh, the leader, the Hulk villain, the leader. Uh, so I figured I would go back to one of my favorite eras here and we're going to do Incredible Hulk number 345. Incredible Hulk, what year is this? Uh, this is 1988. Very first appearance on the show. Yeah, 345. 45. 1988. Yeah, because you had picked a Hulk book before. Where was that in relation to this? Was that before or after this? That was a little bit before this. So we're talking, is this Gray Hulk? Yep, sure is. Gray Hulk, Peter David, Todd McFarlane. Oh, this is going to be awful. This is going to be I hate Peter David and I hate Todd McFarlane. So, wow. How dare you? Peter David is my favorite comic book writer of all time. Wow. That is a bold <laughs> statement. That is a bold statement. All right, so uh, this is the leader, though, is here? Yep, the leader is here. This is a big leader story. It, it sets up a lot. This is uh, kind of what starts the whole Hulk going to Vegas, everyone thinking he's dead. So, uh, All right. Uh, because, I'm yeah. like I said, I'm watching those old cartoons from 1968 on YouTube, and there's an episode where the leader – his first appearance and he conjures up these uh these pink like humanoid robot kind of things to fight the hulk but they're made out of like rubber or jelly 
So the Hulk can punch him all he wants. It doesn't do anything to him, you know? And <laughs> did, did you see that one? No, no, I haven't gone back to it yet. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. <laughs> so, there are no jelly men, sadly, so uh no. you'll have to live. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so all right, so next week Incredible Hulk three forty five, Peter David and Todd McFarlane. Yeah, watch us on YouTube, uh, leave some comments over there, some questions. Tell us if you have any books you want us to read. I'm sure you'll do that. All right, until next week, don't get any jank on you. <laughs>